شحط نهروا عليه هلا نحن عم نروح لنا عائلات وعم نروح لنا طائفات بس انا انا الله نحن Hundreds of people were injured, but many medics were prevented from entering. We stand with Palestine. Save Palestine. Pray for Gaza. We stand with Palestine. Long live Palestine. We condemn the evil acts and violence against Palestine. Hashtag Free Palestine. Let's all work together to save Palestine. Going live in 3, 2, 1, cue. Assalamualaikum and hi everyone. Welcome to AIMTV. Anda sedang menyaksikan rancangan Pips That Show. Political insight to Indonesian campus. Girls Out Loud. Nighting Gear. And Aldia. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala al-shrafi anbiya wal mursalin. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. All praises be to Allah, the most gracious and the most merciful. We thank Allah for giving us the opportunity to conduct this event today. Before we started, let's start our talk with the recitation of Umul Kitab Al-Fatihah. My name is Muhammad Hamidul Akbar, an economic student from, interna from International Islamic University of Malaysia, IIUM, and inshallah, I will be your moderator for today's event. Before we start, let me introduce our topic for the virtual faith circle series. So for this series, the topic is exploring the shine of da'wah in Deutschland. First of all, I want to give an appreciation remark to our speaker, Dr. Claudia, for willing to spend the for willing to spend her time with us. Thank you, Doctor. So I want to give a brief background info about virtual faith circle. I'm sure that most of you already know a little bit about our background since this is not our first program. But for the sake of the new audience, I will let you know. So, Virtual Faith Circle is a series of programs which aim to cultivate and instill the spirit of da'wah in the current generation. It is started by Quranic Youth Club and now we have various collaboration, coll collaboration such as Pertubuhan Kebajikan Islam Malaysia, Perkem, Mahala Representative Coordination Council, MRCC, Bachelor of Education Student Association, BEDSA, Jamiatul Khadamatil Quran, Cikgu TV, IIUM TV, Ma'aruf Club, Club Taha UUM, and Student Representative Council, UTHM. Before we start, let's understand brief definition on da'wah. I'm sure that if I ask each one of the audience today, all of you will give a different interpretation of da'wah since everyone have different definition or different understanding on da'wah. For a simple understanding, Da'wah is an act of inviting or calling people, Muslim or non-Muslim, towards submission to none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Spreading da'wah is not easy, even in Islamic countries such as in Malaysia. So, can you imagine how hard it is to spread da'wah where Islam is not dominant? So, that's why today we will be discussing on da'wah challenge in Germany and how to respond to them properly. Before we start, let me introduce our honorable speaker for today's event. Our speaker for today is none other than Dr. Claudia. 
Dr. Claudia is very active DAWA activist in Germany and she had conducted a lot of intensive research in, on Islam, specifically in Southeast Asia. She also involved in various publishing work such as newspaper publishing, articles, books, and workshop. A little bit housekeeping reminder. I want to remind the viewers that we will have our Q&A session, but you will you need to write down your question in the Google form link that will be provided later. The question will be answered in the participant WhatsApp group. And then the attendance form also will be given later during the session. So are you guys ready? Okay, so Dr. Claudia, we will start our first question. So the first question is, the practice of da'wah varies considerably from region to region and from group to group. But the usual common definition is inviting people to embrace Islam. In your opinion, what is actually the definition of da'wah and what is the most effective da'wah approach, specifically in Germany? Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, I would like to um, say thank you for the invitation, uh, for having me on your interesting program. And I'm very happy that this way I can also still be connected to IIUM, where I um, used to work for um, almost two years. And um, I will now answer the first question. Uh, so in my opinion, besides inviting people to Islam, Da'wah is trying to show people the best of Islam, of being Muslim and showing excellent character, Ihsan. So because this is what it means to be a Muslim. So having Ihsan and having excellent character is actually uh, a major part of our identity as a Muslim. So in my opinion, it is not about distributing or it is not only about distributing a copy of the Quran or flyers um, to people in the streets or to, to, to non-Muslim um, members of society, but it is living Islam in such a way that makes people actually interested to learn more about this way of life. And um, this is the, the second uh, point. The third point what, that I want to mention is uh, what I have described in my last point is also the most effective way of Dawah in Germany. So showing Ihsan, trying to show the best of Islam and trying to show the best character, being a Muslim, is most effective here in Germany. So having Ihsan be helpful to people, be helpful to society, be of use to society, be humble, be kind, and try to connect uh, that to Islam. So trying to show that whatever we do is actually part of our religion. Uh, I found this is the most effective. And um, just a, a short reminder, so doing da'wah is actually, I mean, scholars, I think, uh, differ. I mean, some say it's fat kifaya, so it's a, a, an obligation for society. And uh, if some people do it, then all others um, are freed from it. But some scholars even have the opinion that it's a fad ein, so it's a obligation on every one of us. So I see it for myself now living in a non-Muslim majority country that it is a fad ein for me. So I have to engage in it and I, um, I see it uh, yeah, as my obligation to try to do it every day. Thank you for the interesting sharing, Dr. Claudia. So what can I summarize from the point that Dr. Claudia had shared is da'wah is not only by asking people to embrace Islam, but by showing people what is the best side of Islam and what is the best side of Muslim by having ihsan. And the best approach of da'wah uh, in the context of Germany is showing ihsan to the non-Muslim so they will attract it by the teaching of Islam. So that is our first question. Our second question is, Islam have so many special elements and peaceful message. Before you revert to Islam, how did Islam actually manage to pick 
your curiosity and your interest. Additionally, how did you first get involved in all this kind of dakwah activity? Okay, and the first part of the question basically relates back to my own conversion story, um, which uh, is quite a long story, but I try to uh, make it short. So um, I'm basically born and raised in a non-religious uh, family. Um, both of my parents are and were atheists, uh, so there's no belief in, in any God or there's no religion at all. And from a very young age, I'm, I felt that there was something missing in my life. And I tried to look for that missing link for, for this hollowness in, in my heart. And uh, so I learned about different religions. Of course, um, obviously, I mean, trying to um, learn about Christianity first, but this uh, wasn't really um, for me. And then uh, traveling to Southeast Asia, I also learned about Buddhism, especially Theravada Buddhism, like it is practiced in Thailand and Cambodia. And also I learned about um, Hinduism, especially Balinese Hinduism, uh, like it is practiced on the island of Bali in Indonesia, where I lived with a Hindu family for over a month. And I joined their um, daily rituals uh, and practices in their home and going to the temple. But I didn't find what I was looking for. I didn't find the peace in my heart, the tranquility, the sukun that that uh, that was driving me to to search for my uh, spiritual home. So um, basically, uh, then I uh, I also looked towards Islam and I learned about uh, Islam a little bit and um, I tried to read the Quran, but I found it very difficult. And uh, yes, then I mean. Um, it just happened. I mean, this is now easy to say, but Allah kind of turned my heart to him. And um, just and then I, I just felt that I needed to become a Muslim. And then my journey really started. And I started to learn uh, what it means to be a Muslim. I started to learn how to pray, how to read Quran. And this was um, in 2008, in the early 2008. And Alhamdulillah, ever since I'm a, I'm a Muslim. And actually, becoming Muslim and learning about Islam, um, like the da'wah basically be, became a natural part of me. So because I found uh, sukun, I found tranquility in, in Islam and in being Muslim, I wanted to share that with other people. So... Um, of course, I wanted to share that with the people around me, with my family, and um, but it's not easy because the image of Islam is often not very good, especially in, in Western countries, but actions are according to our intentions, right? We, we know that, and um, Allah looks at our intention, even if we only touch like one person's heart, and so um, that's, that's important. So we should not look at the quantity, but at the quality, and uh, yeah, I think that's the answer. That is very inspiring message and ex inspiring experience. Since you are born and raised in a atheist family, so I believe that it's very hard and it's very long journey for you to find Islam. But uh, I believe that uh, your your sincerity of you want to share the message of Islam to your circles, to your family, it is very inspiring. So hopefully the students can get a message from this experience for them to back up their spirit uh, to enhance their dakwah activities. Inshallah. That is the second question. So the next question is, some people perceive Islam and Muslim as an extremist, as you mentioned earlier, with, where Islam, the, the image of Islam is not very good towards the global community. And some also uh, describe Islam as fundamentalist and terrorist. And few of them raise the issue of gender inequality in Islam. There is the issue of women share in inheritance, the political role of women 
and many other gender-related issues. In your opinion, how a Muslim and a Muslimah should react with this issue? Yes, this is actually a very um, good question. And um, I thought about this because, I mean, I also, I, I have been grown into Islam and I grow up, I mean, I became like a more adult, right? I mean, I converted at the age of 25 and um, now I'm in my late 30s. So I became an adult, I mean, more of an adult uh, by becoming Muslim. So what I, what I thought is um, that we have to be wise in choosing which discussion is worth to participate in and which is not. Uh, so sometimes people really just want to uh, try to uh, to catch our attention, to catch our, how to say, our energy. And um, we have to see which discussion is actually worth um, to invest our energy in. And um, so instead of trying to disprove arguments, because many people, they just want to discuss, they just want to argue. Right? They don't. They don't even look for the truth. So we have to discern. I mean, which one is actually they want to know the truth and they're looking for the truth, and which which one is the one only want to argue. So I think that's that's really important. So um, so in, instead of trying to disprove arguments, we can actually give an alternative narrative. So for example, I mean, when it comes to men and women in Islam. Yes, men and women have different roles in Islam assigned to by Allah, right? I mean, traditionally uh, in our religion, the, the man is more like in the public sphere and he has to provide for the family. That's his wajib. I mean, this is his obligation, right? And the woman doesn't have to work. If she wants to work, uh, she can, but uh, she's not obliged to work. This is really important to understand. So um, she has a choice. While the man doesn't have a choice, he has to, I mean, this is his um, his part. Uh, he has to provide for the family. And uh, so there are just different roles to reach the same goal because we want to, all of us want to reach perfection. I mean, we want to perfect our souls. We want to become better human beings, better Muslims. And eventually we want to, inshallah, reach um, paradise. That's our goal, right? We want Allah to be pleased with us. So basically um, in Islam, men and women have both access to paradise. We have both access to wilayat, meaning we both. I mean, both men and women can become an awliya, can become can become awliya, can become a wali of Allah, and that's the only religion. In Christianity, that's not possible. In Hinduism, that's not possible. In Buddhism, it's not possible. Women have all, all of uh, in all of these religions, women are discriminated against on the spiritual level. That's important. So. Uh, if you want to enter what they call nirvana uh, in in Hinduism or Buddhism, you can you have to be reborn as a man first. You cannot uh, enter nirvana as a woman. And also, I mean, in Christianity, you cannot become like a pastor or you know a high position in the church uh, being a woman. And uh, I think that's so different. Uh, in Islam. I mean, just look at uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, beloved wife Aisha radiallahu anha, right? I mean, she was uh, one of the greatest female scholars, I mean, the greatest female scholars, uh, scholar we have, right? Or Fatima, his daughter, right? Radiallahu anha. Uh, so we have so many examples of female scholars and all of them were, they showed us like how to become a perfect Muslima, right? I mean, how, how we can do that. So basically, um, men and women are mutually superior to one another. I like to say that to my students when we discuss this topic. So what does it mean to be mutually, mutually superior to one another? So both have um, been given certain roles and certain responsibilities and they cannot exist without the other. So this is really important. And uh, if we look, for example, at 
um, Western countries or at societies where um, where we don't have uh, these traditional role models, women are oftentimes burdened double or triple, right? So um, they have to provide for their kids. Um, they have to be a mother. They have to do the housework. So um, Islam doesn't want this for women, actually, right? Uh, so that's why Allah makes the man to be the provider for the family. I mean, he has to provide for the family. And the woman, actually, um, if she works, the money she makes is her money. She doesn't have to share it with anybody. And um, so if people want to talk, uh, when, want to tell me, you know, I mean, women are disadvantaged in Islam. I tell them, you know, my money in Islam is my money and my husband's money is also my money. So um, there's no, <laughs> you know, when, when it comes to this, um, there's no discrimination. And this is also, I mean, when we come to inheritance, uh, we can see why, um, for example, um, you know, in some cases, women um, receive less uh, than men. It's not in all cases, actually. I'm not a fake um, expert, but uh, you ask your, your uh, muftis and your, your, um, your fiki experts, and they will show, uh, show you that it's not in all cases that women get less inheritance. There is very interesting sharing uh, by Dr. Claudia. I, I agree that uh, this issue, the gender inequality issue, is only solely focused on Islam, despite other, other religions are much more discriminate the women. But I'm not sure why the media keep showing that Islam is the one or the only religion that being unfair to the woman because in islam even in even both gen in islam both gender are need each other as you mentioned earlier so i hope uh it is quite it is quite interesting that even some muslim support kind of ideology so next question is uh i really amazed with your research studies. I realized that most of your studies are in the context of Southeast Asian, particularly in Indonesia and in Malaysia. In the context of comparison, how significant is the difference between in dakwah between in Malaysia and in Europe, specifically in your context is in Germany? Yes, uh, thank you for this question. And um, Alhamdulillah, I, I have experience also living in Malaysia, so I can also um, draw from this experience. And um, I was also involved with the um, uh, Dawah activities at Perkim uh, a little bit. So um, I think what I noticed is that, of course, Malaysia has a very different setup compared to Germany, right? And uh, you have a, a huge potential and a huge advantage of being a Muslim majority country. And uh, plus, your government supports Islam very much. I mean, compared to Germany, your government uh, supports Islam very much. So you have Islamic schoolings. You have, I mean, halal food is available everywhere. You have beautiful mosques everywhere. And um, But this potential and this advantage actually um, requires you, I mean, you, Dawab, activists and you Muslims in Malaysia to work even more, to work even harder. That's my opinion. So uh, these circumstances require you to work extra hard in showing the best of Islam because you have such almost perfect uh, conditions in Malaysia, uh, although maybe you think it's not perfect, but for, you know, for people living in a minority Muslim country, we're like, wow, Malaysia is like just great for Muslims, right? So you, you have a, a much higher responsibility to actually show people in Malaysia who are not Muslim the best of Islam, right? To show them, okay, you know, you people, you have been living, uh, you know, in, in Malaysia and you're still whatever, Christian, Hindu, or I don't know, uh, um, 
Confucians. Um, so, you know, you have to show them that actually they would be much better off becoming Muslims, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, this is a big responsibility to show um, that Islam is actually the, the best choice um, to live for everybody in Malaysia. And um, uh, yeah, I, I encourage all of you to to sit together and try to figure out how you can uh, to to uh, do that. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, it is very big responsible by the Muslim for the Muslim in Malaysia to to spread the dakwah since we have every advantage in all side. Okay. So next question is different countries have different cultures and sometimes it is totally contradict with what Islam had taught us or what is the pitra of Islam. Because of this, some Muslims and non-Muslims are often locked in various conflicts such as in politics, in economy or even in ideology. We even heard some of the terms like Islamophobia in non-Muslim countries. So in your opinion, based on your experience, how best can we take care of these difficulties without disobeying Islamic teachings? How we can connect with the non-Muslim in other in non-Muslim countries without disobeying the pitra of Islam? Yes, that's also a very good question. Uh, thank, thank you. Um, I think the most important thing for us as Muslims is, um, as one of my dear colleagues always said, we just need to walk the talk, right? So um, we have to walk the talk. Uh, so we know we're Muslim. We know what is important in Islam. Um, we have to be strong. So if we are strong and if we are sure, if we have yakin, if we have certainty, then actually... Um, the, the surrounding is not so much able to, to influence us. So um, that's so important. It, it is important to not take things lightly, right? So um, we know that there are three ways to prevent evil, for example, right? So if we are, for example, in a non-Muslim country or even like in, in Malaysia, if you see evil, right? And uh, you know that there are three ways we can... Um, prevent evil. So one is with your hand, right? One is, one is with your tongue. And if you can't do that with your hand or with your tongue, then you have to reject the evil or the sin in your heart. So this is the, the most important. I mean, if you, if you live in Germany and you see people drinking alcohol in the streets and uh, wearing very tight clothes and, um, you know, doing, I don't even want to mention all these things, doing all these kind of things, you know, in front of your eyes. Um, first of all, you don't really look at it. So when you, because when you look at it, it will enter your soul, it will enter your heart. So you try to avoid looking at these things, right? So when you see, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, but I will just mention it, um, same gender relations, you know, uh, publicly um, displayed in the streets, you will not look at it. You know, it's, you don't, we don't like that. You know, it's not good. So you will just look away. That's important. So it will not enter your heart. Even if you say, uh, if you see same uh, sex uh, relations, I mean, kissing or anything like that in the streets, you will look away. If you see commercials, you know, that are not good to look at, you know, that display like um, half-naked people, uh, you will not look at it. Because if you look at it, it will enter your heart and it will, you know, um, spoil the light in your heart, the, the, the divine light. I mean, the nur in your heart, it will be spoiled. So it's important to control your eyes. And then, of course, it's important to control your, your stomach, this is most important because in Malaysia, you know, it's so easy, you know, everything is halal, you know, it's like uh, <laughs> you don't have to really worry about. But here, in, I mean, just buying bread can actually um, make you eat haram things because they put alcohol in the bread. So <laughs> you have to be very, very careful with that. And um, 
And then, of course, choose your friends carefully. So those who are your friends who you want to spend time with, um, they, they should also be practicing Muslims if possible. Of course, I mean, you will be uh, exposed to, you know, non-Muslims and you want to do da'wah to non-Muslims. But the ones you spend your time with, like your, your private time, uh, you want to choose um, uh, pious people. And uh, yeah, keep good companionship. So um, try, I mean, try to be with good teachers. Uh, if, if possible, have good teachers, uh, join a study circle and so on. So this will help you to, um, to build like a, like, a, like a wall, a fence, like uh, that will uh, help you not to be uh, distracted by the things you see around you. Yeah. Thank you for the sharing, Dr. Claudia. It is very sad truth. Uh, even in Islamic countries, that some people raise the ideology of the same gender, same gender inequality. So, yeah, even in Malaysia, that that issue is very worrying since uh, the number are keep increasing day by day. Then the next question is Nowadays, the world is facing with a large scale of entertainment. Most of the younger generation are addicted with the usage of social media. As a mother, I'm sure that you are very concerned with your children's Islamic knowledge. Based on your experience as a mother, what is the best way to ensure that our younger generation are still interested with Islamic teachings. Yes, it's also a, a very important question and many people struggle with that actually. So um, the most important for me is radically limiting screen time. So, uh, I mean, I can only um, talk from my own experience. We, uh, my children don't have their own phone. They don't have their own smartphone. And we don't have a TV at home. So um, it doesn't mean that they don't watch at all because you have to give them some. Because if, if you don't give them some screen time, if you don't give them some entertainment, uh, they will look for it outside at one point. So you have to um, give some, I mean, uh, that's important. So uh, we have controlled uh, screen time and usually we have uh, educational programs like, um, yeah, one show uh, they like to watch is about animals. Uh, so they, they become really um, pros in all these uh, different animals worldwide. But even there, it's important that um, you cannot leave them alone because sometimes they say things in these shows um, that that are not in line with our Islamic worldview. For example, um, there was there were two shows: one of the uh, about the orang orangutan, uh, right, uh, and one about the chimpanzee in Africa. And then they said, you know, these two uh, monkeys. Uh, apes, uh, they are uh, the closest related to human beings. And, um, and basically, um, they're like our kind of cousin. And um, actually, we have the same roots and things like that. And I'm like, oh, oops, uh, I was glad I was sitting next to, to them. And then I right away, I interfered. And uh, I said, you know, um, actually, um, that's not the case. Um, you know, Allah created uh, human beings uh, in a different way. And um, although they might seem similar, but um, until now, there has not been any ape, I mean, any orangutan that uh, eventually became a human being, you know? So, uh, and, um, and they understood right away. And it was good because eventually at school, they will learn similar things, right? Uh, so we, we have to be careful. So this is one thing. So control the screen time. And then the, the other thing is uh, how you can make them excited about Islam is, uh, I always say that you have to show that you are in love with Allah. 
you are in love with the Prophet You are in love with Islam. You take Islam seriously. They have to see their mom and their dad, you know, I mean, getting excited about Islam, you know, um, doing, I mean, especially doing da'wah work. I mean, the children, if they see people, I mean, the parents doing da'wah work, you know, they will also get excited. Talk about Islam in your home with your, for example, with your spouse once you get married, inshallah, right? I mean, with your wife, with your husband, talk about Islam, discuss about Islam, um, share books, read books. If, if children see you read the Quran or any Islamic book, I mean, the seerah of the Prophet wasalam, or anything, they will also get excited about it. And then provide books and um, try to get them in the reading habit. Again, reading habit only becomes a habit if they see that you have the habit of reading. So if you if you show them that you like reading and you read a lot, they will also become uh, interested and excited about reading. I mean, my my son is now almost nine years old, and I'm alhamdulillah I'm so happy he's now like really he takes the book and um, he he starts reading. And I bought um, uh, a book about about the life of the Sahaba, for example, and about the the prophet the stories of the prophets. Somebody translated it into German, and he's all like excited, and he reads, and he he doesn't he doesn't come out of it. So, um, but because he also sees me that when I read, I'm also like very uh, like concentrated on the reading, and then um, provide them alternative entertainment, not only screen entertainment, but go outside, go into nature, go hiking. Go, I, I mean, anything like uh, now, of course, it's difficult in COVID times, but try, try to, uh, to do different recreation and then connect nature with Allah. That's really important. So observe nature, observe the flowers. You know, you see a beautiful flower and then you say, you, look how beautiful Allah created this flower. And then you see a tree and you say, you know, um, uh, Allah uh, created this tree in, in such a unique way and you tell something about the tree. So um, connect everything, I mean, whatever it is, back to Allah. I mean, that's really important. So, of course, this will also, um, you have to, I mean, you young people, you have to have the, the Islamic worldview deeply instilled and inculcated in your own self. So it so Islam is not just about going to the masjid and doing a salah in the masjid, but it's about everything. It's about everything. So uh, this is important, every, every aspect of life. And I think the, um, the courses offered at IIUM uh, about the Islamic worldview are actually really helpful um, for you to get started on, on this journey. And because this will help you to... Um, to support your children in seeing Islam really as a holistic worldview. Yeah. Thank you for the interesting sharing and maybe some tips for, for the future parents so they can use it and they can apply to their family. Yeah, it is true that the parents should the talk and by showing the example to the, to the children because most of the time, uh, especially in Malaysia, under my observation, most of the parents ask their children are not to, uh, to not addicted to social media. Instead, uh, but the parents himself, themselves, are addicted with the social media. So how the children can, can follow the example of the parents? And then after that, it is very quite, it is very good tips for us to go outside in the nature so we can have a free time from the entertainment so we can get uh, rid of it so we cannot get addicted to the social media and the entertainment. Okay, so the next question is every da'wah activist has faced various obstacles and hardships. Even Prophet Muhammad وسلم, himself have faced various obstacles during conveying and spreading the da'wah to the Jahiliyyah. 
do you mind to share your ex- your personal experience on your hardships that you faced as Muslim that live in non-Muslim countries? Yes, uh, again, um, as I said earlier, it's all about our intention, of course, first, right? So our intention is the most important. Um, but for me, the most difficult um, in doing da'wah is when our effort to invite to Islam uh, the people that are closest to us uh, does not yet bear fruits. So inviting our family, and um, we do this now since um, uh, over 10 years, and um, it still uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't bear fruits. So this is also a test, right? This is a teaching as well as a test uh, from Allah. So uh, we cannot have everything we want. Everything is already recorded on a preserved on the preserved tablet, and uh, we have to then also leave it to Allah. I mean, um, I noticed at one point discussing or telling, like especially my family, um, didn't do it anymore. So, um, so I was just okay. Um, uh, I left it. I mean, I'm still, I mean, I'm doing Silatul Rahim and we're meeting and we're having good relations and um, I, I'm visiting often, but I don't discuss um, so much anymore. Just once in a while, I give like a short comment when they say something and I say, oh, in Islam, actually, it's like this and that. But what I do is now I focus much more on du'a. So I do much more du'a. So one of my teachers said, if you have children and you ha- or you have a, a non-Muslim family, so it's basically almost wajib. It's almost wajib to get up for tahajjud and to pray for them. So, um, yeah, th- so this is important because we know, I mean, the prayer um, during tahajjud time uh, is very special and um, inshallah will be accepted uh, by Allah. So we try to get up uh, during this special time, or at least we wake up and we make a du'a uh, for them. And then um, maybe I can share another one that um, is also very good, maybe for da'wah activists whose family are also not Muslims or whose friends are not Muslim. So we can also recite um, one um, thing uh, 17 times, one seven, so 17 times we can recite Antal Hadi, Antal Haq, Laisal Hadi, Illallah for the person. So we make the intention, for example, I, I want my mom to become a Muslim, and we recite Antal Hadi, Antal Haq, Laisal Hadi, Illallah 17 times on behalf of the person. Uh, so uh, this is also from one of my teachers uh, who gave this uh, to me because it's also sometimes, um, yeah, it's it's quite um, sad, right? I mean, to, to try to get your family um, to become Muslim and it doesn't, it doesn't work. But this is also a test. I mean, even our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? He was said that, um, his uncle uh, didn't uh, didn't accept Islam, and others of his community were even like um, waging war against him. Although they were basically also like family of his, right? So um, yeah, we can find consolation in in this story. Yeah, the the fact that you shared the story about Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and his uncle is very related with your story and your personal experience because what we can do is just we can put some effort and then the, the hidayah will be given by Allah but uh, can I know like like in the in the Muslim community in Germany is there any like abuse or personal attack by the non-Muslim towards the Muslim community in Germany? Yes, it does happen. Uh, It does happen. So, um, Alhamdulillah, so far I only experienced uh, once that uh, was a very unpleasant experience where I was standing on a bus stop and 
a man passed by and they looked at me and he spit in my face. Yeah, so, uh, but it only happened once. Um, but some some Muslimas, uh, they, they experienced uh, much worse. I mean, um, sometimes, I mean, these are individual cases and it doesn't happen often, but it does happen that, you know, people try to take off the, the headscarf or people, um, they, they use very bad words. And uh, yeah, so it does happen. And um, we also had um, attacks on mosques also, so that um, people try to uh, put fire to the mosque. Um, but of, I mean, the, the, I mean, it could be um, stopped before the mosque was totally destroyed, but uh, things like that happen. So um, these are, of course, individual cases, but we have to be aware and we have actually um, an organization that reports all of these uh, discriminations and all of these um, happenings they reported and they, uh, they then send it also to the, to the government. It's good news that there is a, a organization that, that back the Muslim community over there. Next, yeah. question. Okay, next question is our second last question for today's session. We know that Prophet Muhammad Wasallam had used various types of medium to convey his preachers and da'wah. Nowadays, we can see uh, many Islamic preachers use many creative platforms such as YouTube, Facebook or Instagram Live to conduct the da'wah session. Moreover, nowadays COVID-19 had hit us and it is restricting us from gathering in a mass audience. So many Muslim nowadays hear the da'wah through online platform. So what is your opinion with this kind of approach? Is it give us a good impact of a, or a bad impact in the long term period um i think uh now it is good although i'm i mean i'm personally i'm a bit old-fashioned <laughs> so i i like to i mean for my own da'wah i like to write and i like to teach people directly uh, i like to be with the people but of course, now um, the situation restricts us. And I mean, Alhamdulillah, we have these media, right? I mean, um, imagine this would happen like 30 years ago, you know, we would be all by ourselves and um, no, no connection. So um, this is a huge blessing uh, from Allah, actually, you know, and it shows us that actually your phone in your pocket can be a source of blessing, but it can also be a, a source of destruction and sin. So, um, so it's up to you, you know, how to use it. But I think, I mean, it's a great blessing that we can be connected virtually nowadays. And, and I'm thinking, you know, nowadays, I mean, it's possible as me sitting in Germany and um, having this talk with you in Malaysia, and I had other talks like that and with people sitting in other countries. And this is uh, really amazing, you know, I mean, how Allah makes this possible. I mean, this is really, I mean... Uh, Ajaib. I mean, we cannot really explain how this is working, you know. Uh, so um, we should um, make a lot of sugar for that. But at the same time, I think when the situation allows us again, we should go out again and we should meet in person and we should go to the masjid and we should pray together and we should sit together in the majelis and in the pengajian and to actually... Um, be with each other because it's also important to have the heart-to-heart -heart connection like felt really closely yes true the the physical connection is very important hopefully once the COVID-19 had, had finished we, uh, there is no restriction for us to gather in mass audience in a masjid <laughs> so, uh, can can you share a little bit about the, for example, in Malaysia, we have various da'wah platforms such as we, you can just type it in the YouTube or in the Facebook. There is various da'wah platform. It just depends on the Muslim, either they want to hear it or not. But what is the case in Germany? Is it same or 
you need to put some effort to hear the dakwah. Um, I mean, we have different groups, right? Uh, so some are louder than others, but not uh, actually not really uh, better for us, right? So we have to be careful which dakwah we want to listen to. And, um, but there are some, but it's really limited. I mean, like the genuine um, trained Islamic scholar, right? And we want to take from the scholars, right? We don't just want to take from a self-learned person. We want to take from the scholar who has a, a, like a real sanat, who has a real link to the scholars of the past. I mean, if that's possible. And for that in Germany, we have very limited access. Actually, it's um, two main platforms for that. Um, but I mean, they're doing really good and they, they're giving their best. And they also have online programs where people can join. But still, uh, unfortunately, many people um, don't, really, um, don't really want to have the serious um, da'wah and the serious learning experience. But they just want to have, you know, this, um, I don't know, like uh, fast food, uh, you know, uh, input, you know, you know, they just want to have like five minutes or 10 minutes of YouTube or Instagram. And then they only get like uh, partially true or information uh, that they then it's difficult to put that in context, right? So it's, it's important if you choose like from YouTube, you have to already know, you have to have some background uh, knowledge uh, to know which one is true and which one is not. You know, I mean, you don't want to listen to like um, uh, a so-called uh, Islamic sect. I mean, I don't want to say any names now, but uh, um, there are certain, you know, sects that uh, consider themselves is, uh, Islam, but uh, usually from the majority, they're not uh, Islam, right? So you don't want to listen to one of those. I mean, if you don't have any background knowledge and you get to, to one of their YouTube channels, then you will get the wrong information. So you have to have some background knowledge. Yeah, it's true that we need to filter some some of the da'wa platform. Okay, so uh, our last question for this session is, in your opinion, what is the best preparation that a preacher need to have and equip himself before he can or before he or she can spread the dakwah effectively, especially to a non-Muslim? Okay, yeah, that's a, a very important question. So again, I mean, intention is key. So um, first of all, have a right intention, renew your intention all the time. Don't have, uh, you know, sometimes you you will have success in your dawah activities and then your intention changes so you you have to uh, kind of renew your intention and clean your intention and then very important we need to learn their way of thinking so their worldview and educate ourselves about their worldview and sometimes it uh, just needs also some logic and rhetoric training to uncover the flaws right this is also important then I think a good understanding of our Aqidah, of the traditional Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'at, as we find it in, for example, in Malaysia or Indonesia, is also key to, to inform people and to, to have a strong stand, I mean, to have a strong position. And then read, 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 read. I mean, always read, Keep the, uh, try to read as much as possible and keep the company of pious teachers and then also I would recommend to follow a regime of, to, and of additional zikr or virid. So have like, do more remembrance of Allah, like do more la ilaha illallah or do more subhanallah, whatever, like do more zikr and do more virid. Of course, also read Quran and also try to improve your, yourself every day. Join a, a course um, where you learn something that you don't know yet. Maybe you don't know anything about, I don't know, um, 
for example, Islamic spirituality or fiqh or anything. So you, you, you also learn yourself. That's really important. So this is what I would suggest uh, for a person who would like to do da'wah. Uh, it is very, very good tips by Dr. Claudia for the students or the audience who want to do da'wah activities so they can spread the da'wah effectively for non-Muslim. Uh, Dr. Claudia, I have a question. Is there any difference between the, the preparation that are needed by a Muslim who live in a Muslim country and a Muslim who live in the not Islam dominant country, perhaps in the UK, perhaps we have some audience in UK or in other European countries. Is there any significant difference between the, the preparation? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, you have to become strong in, in what you believe and uh, really certain in what you believe no matter where you are so i mean even in malaysia it can happen that uh, you meet the wrong people and then uh, you know you will question your faith i mean that's also possible so you it's important to work on your own uh, certainty on your own yakin on your own faith uh, no matter where you are and uh, don't take it for granted i think that's that's really really important even like for born muslims in europe yeah, even maybe growing up in a Muslim family in Europe, but don't take it for granted. Yeah, so try to work on your Islam every day and improve your Islam every day if possible. Okay, I think that's all for, that's all my question for today's session. And after that, I want to remind the audience or the students with some housekeeping rules. Or housekeeping reminder as we already finished our session for today if the audience have any question that you that they want to ask dr claudia the audience can write down the question in the google form link that have been provided then the question will be answered by dr claudia and then the answer will be shared in the participant whatsapp group i want to remind once again uh, to the audience and to the students to fill in their attendance form so that we can we can get your information for the star points or the co-curriculum credit. Then the audience and the student also can fill the feedback form so we can we can improve our program in the future. Before we end our session today, I want to give the chance to the to Dr. Claudia to give a few advice or words to the students. Dr. Claudia, if you have some words for the students. Uh, yes. Um, what can I say? I mean, uh, try to, uh, yeah, to finish your, your, uh, your university education as good as possible and uh, try to take it serious and try to make the most out of it and take the most benefit because this is what will um, what will aid you in the future. It's not only about getting a good job and about, um, you know, uh, getting a good salary, but, you know, the, the knowledge you, you take from the university, it's supposed to, to be a light for you in the future and for your children and for the generations to come. So, um, take uh, the advice from your university lecturers um, to heart and uh, try try to act accordingly because you know your university lecturers um, they they want the best for you and uh, they want uh, you to be on the right path and they want you to succeed in in this world and in the world to come okay thank you for your advice so hopefully the students can get many, as many benefits as possible from our sharing session today uh, and one more uh, one more request from the organizer that we would like to hear you speak in germany if you are willing to speak <laughs> okay 
Ähm, ich bedanke mich ganz herzlich für die Einladung heute. Es hat mich sehr gefreut, ähm, heute hier zu sein und ähm, ähm, bei dem Programm mitzumachen. Und ich hoffe, wir können auch in Zukunft äh, noch zusammenarbeiten. Yeah, so I said uh, thank you very much for having me in this program and um, for uh, for being able to share my uh, my experience and I hope we can also uh, cooperate in the future again. Yeah, indeed. Let's, uh, to close our session for today, I want to give an appreciation remarks to our Honorable Speaker, Dr. Claudia, for willing to sacrifice her free time and to spend her time with us and share some of her experience with the students. Hopefully the students can, can get as many input as possible to, to back up or to instill the da'wah spirits in themselves. Before we close our session for today, uh, so so we can close our session today with Tasbih Kapara and Surah Al-As. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Waalaikumsalam.